Big Sisters of BC Lower Mainland presents Ignite Her Podcast, a podcast connecting you to a community of empowered women. Big Sisters of BC Lower Mainland is a nonprofit focused on providing meaningful mentorship for youth. We acknowledge that Big Sisters operates on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Coast Salish peoples, Tsleil-Waututh, and Musqueam nations as well as the Semiamu First Nation, Katsi, and Kwantlen First Nation. We believe in and support the right and ability of Indigenous people to practice self-determination over their rightful land, cultures, and political and economic systems. Originally from Malawi, Sharon Makina was born and raised in Zimbabwe and moved to Canada to where she received her Bachelor's of Science Electronics Engineering degree from Simon Fraser University. As a woman in STEM, one of her major goals is to empower as many youth to join the STEM industry and eventually take medical technologies back to her home country. She has always had a deep-rooted desire to serve her community and has a passion for people. Since she came to Canada, she has been heavily involved in volunteering for various organizations that range from helping youth and members of the Vancouver downtown Eastside community. She hopes to inspire others to embrace their own voices, stand up, and take their power back. Hey everybody, welcome back to Ignite Her Podcast. Have an awesome guest, Sharon. Thanks for being on the podcast. How are you doing? It's been a rough morning. (laughs) (laughs) We've had some technical difficulties, but we did it. We overcame. We persisted. Yeah, despite technical difficulties, we are back. We're here with Sharon. Tell us about yourself, Sharon. I know you do so, so, so many things. So uh, tell us what you want the world to know about you. Oh, me. I am very talented. I am a multi-talented woman, uh, mainly in the sleep area. I'm a sleep connoisseur. (laughs) I love to sleep whenever I can sleep, you know, which is probably why I wasn't prepared to come on time. (laughs) But yeah, I'm an engineer by profession, and in my spare time, I love helping the community. I have a high affinity and a desire to help uh, the youth, especially young girls, and, you know, be a mentor, the mentor that I didn't have. So yeah, and I grew up with no sisters, so I feel like this is me trying to vicariously get a bunch of sisters in my life. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Yeah, and you have how many brothers? I stopped counting, you know, they just kept popping up. (laughs) Every time I'd go out of my room, I'd see a new one. I'm like, okay, great. (laughs) But yeah, my dad is uh, very uh, philanthropic. So he's adopted a lot of, you know, uh, his nephews. So, you know, in an African house, if it's your cousin, it's your brother. So it's just a a constant, you know, once one leaves for college, you get two more. So it's uh, give one away, get two free. (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome so you were uh raised in zimbabwe when did you come to canada that's a good question i came to canada in fall 2014 yeah okay so how old were you angie all these mathematical (laughs) questions you're asking (laughs) i probably was 19 i believe i think i was 19 yeah oh wow okay young yeah i was 19 Mm. I hear from a lot of like our littles who are immigrants that sometimes the transition is difficult for them. Was it difficult for you coming here like at eight, 19, 18? I think probably not really. I, For me, I technically left home when I was about 
16, 17. So I just woke up one day and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go live at school. I'm going to be, you know, a boarder, which is essentially living at school. I don't know what you call it in Canada, but when you stay on residence, I guess. Mm -hmm. And like my dad, I love him to bits, but he didn't notice until like the bill came and he's like, Sharon, why is your school fees increased by 10%? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm living at school now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think I've just always wanted to be away from home. So, and just have that independence because most of my brothers did study in England and I didn't want to go to England and then just be like, if I was broke, I'd be like, hey, can I have this? I wanted to make sure that I was independently making a name for myself and I was forcing myself to grow because I'm the last born. So I guess that was me being rebellious. Like, I don't need you. And I came <laughs> here and I was dead broke and I regretted it ever since. But here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you've made the most of it, right? Like you've been here ever since, which is awesome. And you've done so much work here. You really just – I feel like as soon as you came here, you got really involved in the community and, you know, doing school and everything too. So that's that's awesome. Why did you choose Canada? Was it just like it's not England, so like that works or – I knew nothing about Canada, to tell you the truth. I just knew it was above America in geography. Mm -hmm. I just remember studying that in like form two. It was actually my best friend. My best friend was like, let's go to biomedical engineering as a pre-med. We can go to Canada. They give good scholarships because I wanted to be a pathologist. Yeah, that's not happening anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Because I didn't want to come to university, to be honest with you. Like growing up, I always wanted to be a maid. Like I genuinely enjoy cleaning. And my dad was like, I did not take you <laughs> to school for you to be a maid. So I was ready. I was ready to start my maid company. And then all my friends started leaving for university. And my best friend was like, let's go to Canada. I'll apply for you. I had no clue what I was going to come to do. And then she applied for me. And then she decided to go to a different country for medicine. But I was <laughs> stuck. So that's how I ended up in Canada. It was really just her plan to get away from you. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Definitely. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's that's wild. I feel like you have a lot of wild stories though, like of just like how things happen in your life. I mean, and anyone who comes close to me, look at Angie, her computer blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that you are like famous around big sisters though. We're mm -hmm. glad that you're in Canada because you're you're famous around here. Everyone knows you and thinks you're so awesome and you do such like good work for us. So we're super happy to have you. Um, as part of the podcast and part of the agency. And you're an engineer, which is so cool because there's not enough women in STEM. Can you tell yeah. us about what brought you down the path of being an engineer? Um, well, because I didn't want to go to medicine. So I decided to end it at, you know, at engineering. Well, my goal was to do biomedical engineering because my, my mom passed away when I was really young. And in Zimbabwe, where I grew up, they have very little medical technologies. Even when coronavirus hit, they only had one ventilator for the whole country. So the way my mom passed away is they needed staples because she had like a heart condition, which is something that's so bare basic. They didn't have MRIs. They didn't have anything. So she constantly had to fight to England or to South Africa to go and get those surgeries done. So I was like, okay, like, I think I'm kind of smart. You know, I get good grades, you know. You know, I can partner up with my dad and then we can figure out like he can, you know, fund, you know, 
getting the hospital space and then I will do the engineering part and make sure to bring back the medical technology. So I made sure when I was doing my electronics engineering degree, I took a lot of biomedical engineering courses to, you know, the end goal is to go back and then try and, you know, fix um, that uh, sector. And my best friend as well, she stayed to do medicine in Zimbabwe. So the two of us are working in the partnership as a long-term goal to make sure that, you know, we fix home. Because I think a lot of immigrants come here and say, oh, we left our country, you know, because no one has to fix it. But someone has to be the sacrificial lamb and go back and fix it. You can't just say someone needs to fix it and not do it. So I don't know. I just woke up and I felt like that was my purpose. You know, it's not the desirable route. But yeah, so that's the end goal. That's so, so great. You see a problem, you're like, yeah, I can I can do this. I've got the capacity. I've got the smarts to go figure it out and then come back and, and make a difference. So that's that's really awesome. Take us through like your getting your degree. So being in all of these classes, like what was that experience like for you? It must have been difficult. That's what I imagine. The pain, the bloodshed when I was falling down <laughs> steps to hand in my assignments. <laughs> And the sweat, I'm not going to lie, it was an interesting six years. The first two years, you know, were easy because it was basically what I learned in high school. But yeah, it was. I think it was very challenging because I had a lot of professors who were very negative. In second year, they'd always say, hey, you're a woman, just get married rich. And it was interesting because I was like, yeah, I've been around boys my whole life. You're not going to scare me. I know they stink. So that's <laughs> nothing new here. So I think with that, like just having, I've always been a bit rebellious. I guess you can call me stubborn. (laughs) It was interesting to see that when I started in year one, we had about a hundred girls. And then when we ended like in all like nth year, I'm not going (coughs) to say which year that was. It was only about 12 of us. And, you know, we became, we had to become close. You know, even if we didn't like each other, it was a doggy dog world. And until still, till my last year, I had a professor telling me, just quit. You're not going to do anything. And I also had people, you know, in the co-op telling me, like, don't worry, you'll get there because, you know, you're a woman, you're black. And I'm like, yeah, I'm short too. Just add it all. (laughs) They're like, you're going to go far. And I was like, no, I'm going to go far because I have the smarts. I have the wit. I have the (laughs) interpersonality skills, (laughs) you know, and I'm going to get there. So, yeah, it uh, it was a challenging time, but I wouldn't take it back. I wouldn't take all, you know, the sweat, the blood, the tears. I'm going to take none of it back. I don't understand these, like, why become a professor of anything just to tell students that they shouldn't be doing what they're doing? Like, who are these people? I have no clue. I think their excuse was always, oh, like, I've seen so many females come here. You know, and I'm like, first of all, don't call me a female. (laughs) They always say, oh, uh, I've seen so many females go through this route and most of them don't have the willpower or the resilience to stay. So you're better off saving your money now and just going to communications. I'm like, first of all, I tried to do business and I got kicked out. So this is where I ended up. (laughs) Anyway, Yeah, but yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's ridiculous because... There's no reason why there can't be more women engineers, more women in STEM. But if the environment's like that, then obviously at some point there are going to be some people who are like, this is too much. Like everyone around me is telling me I can't do it. Yeah. And there were many who did quit, which is so sad to see because I'm like, there were so many creative women who I was with in third year and fourth year, but they succumbed to the pressure. And as well, if you don't have a good supportive system, 
it's very easy to crumble. I feel like I got through it because of the support system that I had around me. Without my friends and my family, I do not think I, I would have completed. I would have just deferred to being my passion, my other passion, which is cleaning. <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's very important to have that uh, core, that uh, interesting core. Yeah, that, uh, that bothers me so much. It's like you can't – they're just perpetuating this, right? They're saying like, oh, well, everyone, you know, all women just quit in this. They're not successful. But you're telling that to the women that are currently – like in the program taking these classes, like what are they going to think? And they obviously like don't have the professor's like confidence or, you know, they're not going to put in extra time to work with these students. So it's, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. It sounds horrible. And I think they did, they tried to do their best to also hire female professors, but I feel like with the female professors, because they were female, they had, they were more militant. So I feel like they had to be more militant to prove a point to the you know, the the other professors and say, like, you know, I'm just as good as you. So even when you would be in, you know, the female professors, you'd be like, okay, like, are you going to bring back the belt? I left Africa for a reason. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I wish it wasn't that way. But I did, there were some, like, professors who really did change, you know, my trajectory, like Ryan Darcy, who's doing so many amazing things at Sarah Memorial Hospital. Like he was the one who was like, you're smart, you know, and he probably doesn't even remember it, but like him saying that to me in my last year, that that was the final push that I needed. And I was like, okay, like, you know, if there is a man who does believe and see that, you know, I have the creativity, I have the resilience and the tenacity, then clearly everyone else is wrong. So. <laughs> well, people have been wrong about women forever. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was gonna say, but okay, so you you've made it through now. You know, you've done your degree, you've got it. You're working in the field. Like, what what is that like? What do you enjoy about this? And like, yeah, tell us a bit more about your experience. Okay, well, I enjoy not being in debt. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Life is more <laughs> about you know the financial freedom. Um, I think well, right now it's. It's very interesting. It's very different from what I thought it was. So I studied electronics engineering, but now I technically work as a mechanical and electrical engineer, which is the names are very similar, but they're very different. So in the beginning, I think I had a really hard time because I was the first woman they had hired in a very long time. So I felt like they didn't know what to do with me. They gave me a desk at the very end, <laughs> separated from everyone else. I'm like, I really don't bite. I'm literally 5'2". You can stomp on me. <laughs> and they didn't know what to do with me. Like, like they'd be like, do you want to sit with us? And I remember I spent my first week, like, walking downtown and just be like, yeah, I'm going to lunch with my friends. I had no friends. Because <laughs> you could just feel like, you know, it was awkward. And then my boss at the time was like, if I asked your old boss what would they say about you? And I'm like, I'm a ray of sunshine. And he's like, ugh. And then now every time he sees me, he's like, Sharon, you're the ray of sunshine. Go talk to this person. So, yeah, it was really challenging in the beginning just being around, you know, and they're all like uh, two generations above me. So it was interesting, you know, to break that. But now that I have, um, I guess, broken that, uh, you know, that tension, and now that I'm a manager, it's really interesting that, you know, a lot of my direct reports respect me a lot, which took time to get there. But like, uh, I appreciate the fact that they support me. I mean, I'm managing people who've been engineers, professional engineers for about 25 years. 
and I'm only 26. So yeah, so I was even telling Vanessa that at 3 a.m. I was out here shouting, like, you need to make sure you do this, you do this. Then they open Zoom, then they see me, they're like, oh, you're the one who was shouting? I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes, it was me. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's very different because I work with buildings and governments where technically just dealing with like mechanical systems, engineering systems are in buildings and like the building envelope and like, you know, all the things that you don't see when you enter a building. So yeah, it's very different. Every day is different, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been a journey. It's funny how when you said that they didn't know what to do with you because they hadn't worked with a woman for so long, it reminded me of this story. I don't know if this is 100% true, but it's been, I've heard it many times and I just think it's funny if it is even slightly true that when they had like the first female astronaut going to space, that they were, she was going for six days and they were like, okay, so like you probably need tampons. Like how many, you need like a hundred, like a hundred, we're going to send you with a hundred tampons. And she was like, what a hundred tampons she's like no 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 like they just were like yeah here have all the tampons <laughs> they got me a bell too because like I'm, I'm a really like timid person so I was, they're like yeah we're just gonna ring this bell to say we're coming your way and i'm like oh what am i <laughs> but i still have that bell today and i keep it as like a memento and i always laugh and i say i cannot believe you guys got me a bell <laughs> oh, that would be amazing i want a bell if someone's gonna interrupt me You'll see it in the mail. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So aside from your work as an engineer, you volunteer a ton with the community. Can you tell us what makes you feel like you should give back? Like what drives you? What motivates you? What drives me? I don't know. Well, I always tell the story that um, I, so my dad has always been philanthropic. Growing up, he would always volunteer at the only youth prison that we have in Zimbabwe. And he'd take us with us. And even when it came to church and there was volunteering, you know, he'd volunteered us. So it just became something innate in me to do it. And then when I came here, I saw an ad in the train for Big Sisters at the time. I guess you guys were putting ads, you know. And then I saw it again and I was like, my dad, dad, this must be like a sign. Like, like what's going on? My dad's like, Sharon, you don't even, you don't like kids. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then I was like, I will bet you 500 bucks if you apply and you actually go through it for the whole nine weeks. I'm like, 500 bucks? The way me and money are set up? I will do it. (laughs) And then I did it. And then funny enough, Vanessa was my first co-mentor. And then I did it. And then like, I didn't, well, Angie, don't tell Vanessa. Vanessa, close your ears. (laughs) The last session, I met this one participant. She really touched me and I cried. And I don't cry. A lot like obviously I did it after Vanessa had left mm-hmm. and I'm like damn I really like this <laughs> we gotcha like, yeah I was like oh I really like this and then after that I was like okay so I'm not just doing this because I grew up doing it I actually enjoy doing it I enjoy you know telling people my mistakes because I truly believe that smart people learn from their own mistakes but wise people learn from the mistakes of others I'm like, you know what, if I can impart that and say, hey, these are the dumb decisions I've made, maybe don't do that. Maybe do your own dumb decisions and, you know, save these for later. So I kept just doing that. And then I, you know, I met my really like close friend, Christina Wong, who was helping, you know, the downtown east side. And I related with that because I grew up like from ages like zero to 13, extremely poor. And I'm like, this is crazy. You know, you only think you see that in Africa. So you come here and you see that people are, 
suffering the same and you see they were more connected with our experiences in our geographic location and that touched me. I was like, hey, like, I want to help. Let me know how I can help. And so it's just, I guess, my love language, seeing other people smile. So I guess that's what drives me. And thank you cards. <laughs> yeah, we got you with those, those thank you cards for sure. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's, you know, when you first came on board with, with Big Sisters and doing the Go Girls program, that was six years ago. You know, so you've been doing this a, a long time. And if you had told me at the beginning that like you, like you weren't sure about working with kids or like anything like that, I wouldn't have believed you because you were just a natural. You were so great at connecting with all these kids and just – yeah, it just came so naturally to you. I was like, oh, this is like the best commenter I could have asked for. This is amazing, you know. So I, yeah, like like thank you for, for being involved always and – yeah, we had Christina Wong on a previous podcast too. So, so great that you're involved with her and Employed to Empower um, and everything too. So, yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, a friend of mine was like, hey, there's this, you know, organization called Low Entropy. And I'm like, okay, another one? Sure. Let's add it on. I wonder who that is. <laughs> so, through that, it was interesting because, like, before that, I was only working with like youth from what, 12 to 13. And then now, you know, it's they're a little bit older. And then two of the participants were like, Sharon, you're kind of cool. Can you please be our mentor? And they were males. I'm like, ah, I don't know. Men are stinky. I'm not, trying to, <laughs> I'm not trying to delve into that. And then so now one of the, like two of the participants were, you know, uh, boys like, hey, like we want you to be our mentor. And I'm like, okay. And we've done, you know, we've been having like meetings and just like seeing, you know, them grow as well has been like, such you know a great feat and they're doing so many amazing things and I I think for me I had so many great ideas when I was young but no one could help me or show me where to go you know to use those ideas so if I can help you know even one youth to be like hey your ideas are great you need to go to this person this person this person and we need to make sure that they hear your voice Mm -hmm. yeah definitely there's a lot I think that more men should be mentored by women like honestly can you imagine yeah, yeah. I I have a son and I always joke about how we're going to raise him so that he doesn't know that men can do anything cuz he has he has two moms, full disclosure. And so we're always showing like look at this amazing like female violin player and this amazing female guitarist and like look at these female sports and I'm like at some point he's going to be like can can guys do anything? <laughs> <laughs> so exactly okay i googled and i see you saying bolt runs is like michael phelps is that a thing yeah no they're not they're, they're just no. females with short hair don't worry about yeah. it <laughs> um so how does it like make you feel to to give back when you have those moments i think for me it just now feels like a part of my my day-to-day my purpose you know and i think I work in a very stress environment at work because we do deal with a lot of capital planning. So essentially, it's like you're dealing with, you know, taxpayers' money and you're dealing with millions of dollars, you know. So for me, I always find either if I'm working with Big Sisters or NIMAC or Low Entropy or anything, it feels like my break. So that feels like my therapy. I'm like, okay, I need to go to rehab. Let me go, you know... (laughs) Let me go and see what, you know, the kids are doing. So I think for me, that's that's my version of self-care. So I feel mm-hmm. calm and at ease 
that's a very giving form of self-care so (laughs) i need you guys more than you need me (laughs) (laughs) i'll keep that in mind we'll keep asking you for things then (laughs) go for it uh so i okay i feel like anytime i think about I don't know if ideal is the right word, but like just a really great example of a mentor, I think of you, you know, because of all the work that you've done out there. So like what in your mind makes an ideal mentor? Like what qualities do you need? Like like if someone's out there that's thinking like, yeah, I really want to give back. I want to get involved with children and youth. Like how do they become a great mentor? I think the easiest thing for me personally when I've been talking to anyone is just being an active listener. Because I think a lot of people listen to respond and they don't just listen. Sometimes Angie just wants to tell you that I'm pissed off today. (laughs) No advice, no nothing, just listen. And I think sometimes with kids, you know, they say a lot of things and they just fall by the wayside. So I feel like if you're listening and you're consistent, say, hey, last week you mentioned that this and this was bothering you. I found this or any updates, do you want to talk about it? So I think just listening, you know, and just being a shoulder, because you're not, there's no ideal candidate. There's no ideal mentor. No one is going to have everything and anything. So just, you know, celebrating the small wins as you go by with, you know, your youth and making sure that they know that, hey, if you're doing a good job, you're doing a good job. So I think that for me is what, if you want to volunteer, trust, just go do it. Apparently, I didn't like kids, but look where I am now. It's been six years, <laughs> according to Vanessa. So just go do it. So what would you say to someone who thinks that they wouldn't be a good mentor? They're like, my life is like boring. I didn't really go through anything. How I don't have anything to give. See, the boringness is even better. Because funny enough, <laughs> my family says I'm boring but interesting. And I am like the stereotypical like STEM student I am. I'm quiet. I'm an introvert. Obviously now it's different, but you know, I prefer to be by myself, you know, in situations of crowds, I'm like, you know, I retract. So being boring, I don't really think that's a thing because you have something interesting about you. Everyone has their own little hobby and everyone's going to have their own niche and you're going to connect with someone who's like, wait, you like collecting rocks? Me too. <laughs> Which is funny because for um, low entropy, one of uh, the youth trainers in the facility was like, dude, I collect rocks. I was like, dude, me too. And we really bonded on collecting rocks and we shamelessly showed off for, like our rock collections. Everyone was just like, why are they showing us rocks? But, you know, ever since then, like we've had that connection and whenever she finds another rock, she's like, dude, look at this rock. It has moss on it. I'm like, what? <laughs> So trust me, boring is very subjective. Like mm. someone will find you interesting and everyone is special and unique and you have something that makes you uniquely perfect. So just go for it. See, I should be a Nike ambassador. Just do yeah. it. Ooh. <laughs> Motivational speaker over here. <laughs> Putting that out there into the world. It'll happen. That's, mm-hmm. That is great advice. And just like random side note, I have a jar behind me filled with rocks. And I did go through it a few months ago. And I was like, I can't get rid of these. Look at how interesting this one is. Look at this one. It's got like these weird divots in this color. See? You know? <laughs> See, now I have to show you my rock collection after this, mm-hmm. Vanessa. See? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll just log off for that one. Um, <laughs> who have been your mentors? 
That's interesting. Well, funny enough, I've refused to call Vanessa my friend for like the past six years. I always say she's my mentor. Because we're friends. I'm like, no, I look up to you. Uh So I think definitely like Vanessa really helped me unlock a lot in our first Go Girls, you know, session like six years ago. She doesn't know this, but yeah, she, you know, I was not very organized before I met her. And I feel like that helped me a lot in just like organizing my thoughts and, you know, just learning how to talk to kids during challenging times. And my dad, my dad is one of the funniest and most giving and lovable people, you know, he, the way in African culture it works, unfortunately, the man is the provider and the mom is the nurturer. You know, he didn't sign up for my mom to pass away prematurely and he stepped up real soon. And, you know, even on Mother's Day when we didn't give him, he's like, I am your mother and your father. You know what I mean? So <laughs> he really stepped up even like when it came to, you know, the girl stuff. He's like, do you need like 500 bucks to buy pads? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> A hundred tampons. Yeah. I was like, USD, please. He's like, okay, okay. (laughs) And like, he does a million and one things, but he still volunteers his time. And he just has an amazing story. Like he stopped school at like 14, you know, because at that time there was a war and he, he did a lot for our family. You know, we went from being, you know, living in a one bedroom to living in a two story. And we really watched him, you know, work hard without that education background. And he's still 40. He's like, you know what, I'm 50, but I'm going to go back to school. And he did that. So just watching him do that and also watching him take, you know, in all these kids and pay for him is, he's been like a, a good source and he's the only person I cry to, you know, everyone else thinks I'm strong, but you know, (laughs) I will be on FaceTime. I will look at it and wait for it to go connecting. And then as soon as he answers, I'm like, (laughs) and then he'll hang up because of the network. I'll just be chilling. (laughs) And then he goes, (laughs) (laughs) and he just has all these inspired nuggets that this always make sure, you know, like I'm keeping afloat. So he's definitely, he's definitely on the up. That's awesome. So good. And you're going to make me like tear up a bit too, you know. <laughs> so good. We can cry together. That's all good. With our rocks. <laughs> yes, yeah. our rocks. We'll just hold our rocks and, and cry together. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to ask you the like the question that we ask all of our guests on the podcast. So what would you say to your 12-year-old self? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Yeah? Just ignore her. <laughs> I would be like, I would be like, you four and nine, just put them to the side. No, I have done, I've made a lot of less than smart decisions, so many. And through all of that, I have had so many different opportunities um, because of that. And funny enough, all the bad things, all the bad situations that I've ever had in my life, they all came out as positive at the end. So... (laughs) Whatever mistakes I made, they have made me who I am today. They have molded me into the woman that I am. So I would just let her fall into that ditch at age 13. Let her almost lose her eye at age 14. Let her hit that tree at 16 and not report it. I'm kidding, guys. I'm kidding. The tree is fine. But yeah, so I I wouldn't change it. I would say nothing. That's great. No regrets. It is what it is. This is what got you to where you are today. Except dyeing my hair. That's the only regret I actually have. <laughs> actually, I would tell her, do not dye your hair. 
Yeah. <laughs> <Just> fall out. <laughs> yeah. That's sound advice. Like home bleach jobs are just a no-no. Don't do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe like piercing your own nose. I don't know. And Ooh. is that something you want to tell us? <laughs> I never, I never actually did that, but I did try and bleach my hair and then dye it blue. And I got called moldy locks in grade seven. Ooh. Yeah, I got moldy locks. That was a good one, which now I think is like actually like a really clever name because it was like a mix of like green and blue and it looked like mold. But at the time I was very upset about it. Mm-hmm. See, now I need to see a photo. <laughs> <laughs> no photos. Destroyed all cameras near me. <laughs> so do you have any like projects anything coming up that you want to promote just support downtown east side you know um so employee to empower you can catch them on instagram their website is www.employee to empower it's such a good organization that doing so many great things for the downtown east side and you know in december we're having our annual pop-up you know, so we're going to need clothes, we're going to need blankets. So please donate, do what you can, support even a dollar will count and it will go so far. So, mm-hmm. And you're on the board with them? I have now been reduced to an advisor. <laughs> I'm sorry? No, 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 it's not. Trust me. I think it was more important to have people who would be there more because I think it's important on your board, if you're helping the youth and you look around and you have no youth or you're trying to help people of color and it's just all white people, then you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it was very important to make sure that the people that you are serving and trying to represent make up the board and make up the majority of the decisions. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Everyone, list, like, go back. Listen to that again. <laughs> Rewind. Very, very important. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so that well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Any final words that you want to put out there into the world? Any advice or anything else? Uh, my bank account is – I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I think I always say this. I'm going to say this ad nauseum. For anyone listening, you are perfect the way you are. You are enough. And make sure you always go where you're celebrated, not tolerated. I will scream and shout that, that to the ceiling every day that I can. I know that your voice is important and whatever idea that you have, don't give up, never give up. Just keep trying, try, try again. You know, if you fall back six times, I have no knees at this point. I've fallen so many times, but you know, you will rise up. I'm not, I'm not doing anything great. If I can do it, you know, and be here managing so many engineers at 26, uh, you can do it even better. Awesome. Thanks so much. And if you want to check out Big Sisters, you can go to our website, www.bigsisters.bc.ca. And please follow us on Instagram at Ignite Her Podcast. Right? I always get it wrong. It's just at Ignite Her Podcast. I think so. All right. And we will see you next month. We have another awesome episode coming. Bye. (laughs) Ta-da. Hey, it's Angie. I'm just popping in here for a little special treat. I'm about to play a track by Marsha Belsky. She's a comedian, and this is a song she wrote about the 100 tampon story that I referenced earlier in the episode. So here it is. Remember when NASA sent a woman to space for only six days and they gave her 100 tampons, 100 tampons. And asked, will that be enough?